Should you ever set foot outside of the motel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow, now streaming on Paramount Plus, only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan. Welcome into another edition of the Gigam 24-7 Sports Podcast. I am Andrew Hattersley, joined by Brian Peroni, as always. Brian, how's how's everything going? How was the uh, how was the weekend? Uh, it's uh, really hot, man. Like I think it was 105 here in Houston. I was my neighbors invited me over. We're sitting outside like a bunch of idiots. The rest of the neighborhood inside, but uh, no, not bad. Just uh, you know, getting ready for the season. It's almost here. Uh, the uh, fall camp will start in August, early August. Uh, so, yeah, man, it's uh, what are, I think we're at 50, 54, 54 on the countdown days. today. So almost almost halfway there there from the hundred from the hundred countdown. We talked about media days last week, and those are those are really right around the corner. The Big Twelve media days will be this week, and you're right. I mean, just looking at the weather forecast, <laughs> every day pretty much is is in the triple digits, and you're kind of even looking for that that little glimmer of hope of oh great there's a one percent chance of rain on the on the weather oh yeah oh, I look <laughs> every I look at the hourly forecast every day so but at least uh, you know a And M gets a, an eleven a M game to start the season so I mean, it's, <laughs> that'll be yeah that'll be great like that'll yeah. be that'll be a whole lot of fun and and you know even gosh I mean but heck it's it's it feels like it's it's still been like ninety five degrees that at 8 p.m. at night of late and I know that it's yeah just that's been what... crazy and you know I was I was trying to go out to some training sessions last week and and it was well over 106 105 bad bad day had some car issues bad day to have car issues last week and and all that going on so it's it's it it feels like it's been non-stop just heat and um you know for those coming into town for the for the media day sorry um it's going to be hot and it's going to be hot for a while um but yeah look you know you mentioned it the season's right around the corner now it it feels like you know we're a couple weeks away from from fall camp getting underway and decided to do something a little bit different this week for the podcast um taking questions from from fans um you know big thank you to all those who submitted uh many serious questions we got some we got some funny ones and some joke ones and uh you know we got a ton of ton of questions to to kind of dive into and, and answer what you, what's what's kind of pressing on your mind both on the on the team side and and recruiting um and basketball as well there was a question about basketball so we're gonna we're gonna get into those and um i knew a&m answer. was a basketball school man getting yeah, basketball yeah, questions yeah, in basketball july school refresh yeah. off that nit run um had some roster questions on that and uh you know that staff's kind of busy it's it's interesting while the there's a dead period going on in football. There's the live period going on in basketball. So they've they've been all over the place, and and this is coaches' times of the year to to sit courtside and and get out and see a bunch of guys. Buzz Williams was on the road yesterday, so yeah, it's a basketball school now, didn't you know, Brian? And it's baseball I, I, too. Yeah, I, oh, that definitely yeah, baseball school. So <laughs> maybe even softball and softball and, women, yeah. and women's basketball with the new coaches. I guess we'll see. Yeah, guess we'll see. We didn't get any questions on those. I'm interested. Um, but we did get we did get a lot of uh, 
um, football questions. Um, and starting with 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 one about uh, Connor Wigman, who obviously um, headlined this this historic class at AM signed during the 2022 cycle um, and was an early enrollee for AM. First one right off the bat, um, are the positive comments about Wigman this past spring just standard praise for a freshman who's doing relatively well, or is there actually a good chance he starts sooner or later this year? Um, Brian, you want to leave? I know you saw him quite yeah. a bit, and, and I'll, I'll kind of go off what you said. All right. So, no, uh, I mean, every time, every freshman is going to be raved about. But, no, this is, like, I think we we both have talked to people who behind the scenes have, you know, maybe talked to, uh, talked to the staff or, you know, heard Jimbo's thoughts, you know, that they absolutely love Connor Wickman. Now, um, you know, yeah, they're always going to be relatively high on kids, especially a five-star QB, but they love Wickman. And I think you are, we're hearing some praise behind the scenes that we, we haven't heard in the past. Sometimes you hear the opposite. You're, uh, you know, yeah, we're a little concerned about whatever, you know, this and this and this, but no, they, uh, they love Wickman. Now the, the second part of the question, you know, is he going to start eventually this year? I do not see them starting a true freshman in the same Houston game. I don't see them trotting that out. So, well, I think if Wigman were to start at some point, it would mean likely that somebody lost their job, you know, an injury or a lost job. And that's not ideal for A&M. So I would say, I would say no, him starting this year. I would say no, because, you know, you do have the two veterans ahead of him, but it's not completely out of the question. And if there are quarterback struggles like there were last year with Calzada, but, but so, I mean, it's weird to say, yeah, the hype I think is legit, but no, he's, you're likely not a shot of starting, but I think that's where we are. Yeah. For me, it's the praise kind of matches up with what he showed in high school. I feel like the, you know, when, when we, when we look at this time last summer, AM had him come camp with a lot of their top receiver targets to kind of show off, his arm talent, what he could do, and and Anum really tried to to kind of showcase him, and so uh, you know it's no secret that Anum had him as the top rated quarterback coming out of high school. It's why they didn't show any interest in Quinny Ewers because they thought that highly of of Connor Wigman and believed they they kind of had their guy and and had their top player in the class. Yeah, to the second part of the question for me, I'm I'm kind of the same as you. I think as long as there's if. If he were to start, it would be because of injury or or something kind of forces it. But I don't think it's out of the question that he's going to probably be the guy that sees time during mop-up duty during games against maybe Sam Houston and, and some of those non-conference games. And, you know, when you've got Haynes King and Max Johnson there, I think the preference would probably be to stick with those two guys and give Wigman a year to develop and get settled into college. That doesn't mean he's not kind of meeting all the expectations and hopes that they had. It's just like you said, I'm not sure they really want a true freshman starter rolling out there against Alabama or late in the year, having a big game against LSU and and Florida. So I think they'd rather have that experience with Max Johnson. And that was what was so appealing about him was he does have experience playing in the SEC, but make no mistake, the, the expectations and the excitement around Connor Wigman in that building is, is very very high from from all the feedback that we've heard. I'm gonna um, I'm gonna put you on the spot real quick. Uh, yeah. One that's not on the list. So who who's the starter? Who start who you know, trots out? Who trots out opening game? Takes the first snap against Sam Houston. Um, for me, I think they lean towards Max Johnson. 
Um, I don't get me wrong. I think it's really close. Um, I don't think either guy really separated themselves during the the spring game and and during the spring. I think it's still pretty close. But for me, I think just Max Johnson seems to take the care of the ball a little better and has experience. He obviously is coming off a pretty solid year with LSU last year. Um, it has it has a ton of experience playing, and so I would give the edge to him. I know Haynes King obviously does have have the mobility factor and um, I think can, can certainly run the offense as well. Um, and, you know, I think Jimbo Fisher thinks he can win with both guys, oh, yeah. but I would give the edge to Max Johnson. Are you, are you sticking with me or are you, are you rolling the Max? Are you rolling the Haynes? King no, I, I, I would say Max Johnson before, before spring ball, I would have said I would have leaned more towards Haynes King. I mean, it's a coin coin flip, but you know, if I had to pick one, it would have been Haynes King before the spring, but I think Max Johnson, um, you know, Everybody struggled in the spring game, so I'm not, you know, and we told people then the spring game is going to be meaningless, but right. we saw them all. We saw how they interacted. Yeah, I just think uh, Max Johnson's, you, you know, his uh, experience actually starting games and playing games uh, is going to help him. But I wouldn't be shocked if either one, but, but yeah, I'll go. I'd go with Max Johnson. And I know there has been the point made on the message board, and I think this is important to note. Jimbo Fisher is not going to make, a decision based on the quarterback based on who would transfer out or transfer decisions or anything like that. That's this, there's way too much at stake in this year. And to, oh, he wants to win. You know, he wants to <laughs> yeah. win. And they, and they, they, they're trying to get into a playoff position. So whoever he thinks is going to give this team the best chance to win um, is who's going to start. I don't think it's going to be based on, well, this guy might transfer or this or this. I think it's going to come down to, who would who would give them the best chance to win? And and you know, frankly, if if a guy transfers out, then you know, leaning towards the question right before that, you know, then you have Connor Wigman right there as as kind of a guy that they really really like and and believe highly of in the future. So um, he'd kind of be waiting in the wings as well. So um, I don't. I just want to make. I saw. I've seen that point made. So so just wanted to note that. Um, you know, sticking with with um kind of expectations and all that um another good one i thought we got was uh where would be one air one unexpected area of strength and weakness of the roster um starting with strength i I can go ahead first um i think the offensive line is going to be a lot better this year we've talked about Layden robinson bryce foster and, and deuce fathery back that gives you three starting offensive linemen that have have um played last year and then akia gunby and blake trainer both saw time as well um, and I know you and I have both heard a lot of positive feedback about Trey Zune and um, some people who think he's he's really the got more athleticism than anybody in the building there. And so um, I think they're really excited about what he would be able to do at, at left tackle. And I think A&M will be better at that spot this year with, with Zune there rather than Jameer Johnson. And so um, I think that could be an area of strength actually for the A&M this year. Yeah, the offensive line um... – you know, uh, we talked about how, you know, looking at the numbers, I think it's Colin Kennedy did sort of a deep dive in the numbers across college football. Mm-hmm. And A&M's in better shape than most schools, which is not, you know, what what I would have expected, to be honest. I think they even used A&M as like the main picture for the story. And I was yeah. a little surprised they were on there because I know fans are worried about that. But, yeah, I mean, you got two freshman All-American coming back and, and Bryce Foster and Deuce Fathery and then, We've talked about Layden Robinson, I mean, getting preseason All-American mentioned. So, yeah, obviously you'd like the bookend tackles, but um, 
I mean, that's a really good offensive line, the, the guys you have coming back. Uh, potential weaknesses. Now, I don't know if fans will want to hear this, especially because AM has quite a few guys there, but let's say something happens to Achain. I mean, there's not much after him with, with experience. Like LJ Johnson and Mari Daniels both had, you know, decent, decent uh, you know, mop-up duty times when they, they came in and they had some good runs, but both of them are, are pretty unproven. And so that's you know. That's maybe a bit of a concern. I, I mean, I don't expect anything to happen to Achain, but he is, you know, smaller when it when it comes to SEC backs. Just you know, as as a track guy, I mean, he's still he's still got a lot of muscle, but he, you know, so if something happens to him, you know, who knows? No, Jimbo Fisher's offense too. I mean, you, you know, it's made for running backs to look good. So you know, and L.J. Johnson was a national top fifty recruit for a reason. Amari Daniels was a four star for a reason. Le'Veon Moss four-star, you know, even uh, Ernest Crownover, you know, a guy that's a veteran, got some experience. So, you know, I don't think it, it wouldn't be the end of the world, but, you know, that's probably the one that, you know, AM just, you never really even hear the running back position mentioned because a guy like Achain's coming back and, and he's so good. Yeah, for me, I think sticking on on the offensive side of the ball, and this might be surprising to folks as, as well at first, but I think there'll, there'll probably be some growing pains as well at tight end. Uh, just in terms of experience, obviously you have a guy like Max Wright um, that's that's back and brings some experience. But I think behind him, there's going to be some some probably they're going to need the guys on the outside to step up, and there's going to be some youth and some inexperience there. And you know that's what happens when you have a guy like Jalen Widemeyer that has has been around for the last couple of years. I think that would be one. I I you know maybe it's not an area of weakness, but just an area the fans are going to have to be patient because they've they've been really spoiled by, by, you know, the production at that position over the last couple of years that, um, you know, I think there could be some growing pains there just within experience and youth and um, some young players getting action. And so um, that would be one. And then obviously I think we would both agree with this is linebacker um, just in terms of the depth at linebacker. And yeah, there just aren't um, many guys there. They're just not many bodies. Yeah, they really need to stay healthy at at linebacker, and and those would be kind of the two positions I would kind of watch. I think I think they'll still be fine at tight end, but maybe just not the focal point of the offense that that it has been maybe in the past. And so um, those would maybe be my two areas to to kind of watch. Um, looking ahead to the season, what what game are you really looking forward to, and 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 why is is there one that stands out on the schedule for you? I mean, it's it's easy to to really. I mean, Alabama obviously, but I'm not gonna count that. Yeah. Then I would just say that the two in a row in late mid mid to late September, Miami. Miami is really good. Like you know, Tyler yeah. Van Dyke. I think I mentioned him every podcast. Somehow he comes up. The quarterback Tyler Van Dyke is potentially a first rounder, and most not even a and not just a and fans. Most college football fans couldn't even tell you his name. You know, he's like just there. And I think, you know, he's got a chance to make his name. That game will have a ton of eyes on it. I think, is it come out the, yeah, it's on ESPN. So, you know, at at 8 p.m. So there'll be a, a bunch of eyes on that broadcast. And then the next game against Arkansas. Arkansas is improved. I mean, we saw that last year. Arkansas beat A&M for the first time last year in SEC play. So there's going to be some revenge and, you know, pretty good team. But also, you know, revenge game. Um you know, to start SEC play. So those are really just those two in a row. They Because that can also set the tone for the season. If they win both of those, they're, you know, I mean, assuming they obviously beat Sam Houston and App State, 
you know, that puts them at four and oh, you know, you lose both of those. You're sitting at, at two and two with Mississippi State and then Alabama coming up. So uh so yeah, th- those are the two. But really that Miami game, I'm 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 curious to see how AM's pass defense does against uh, against a, a good passing offense. And frankly, just looking at the Miami game, that's not the one I chose, but that Miami game, um, you know, I was doing some 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 hits on the radio this morning and and I think the one thing about that Miami game, they're not going to be at home for a while after that Miami game. And so that, that, that also kind of looms large. They've got the Arkansas game yeah. after that. Then it's, it's, it's almost going to be a month and a half after that game before A&M is back at home. And so for me, that's kind of why I, I, I kind of look at that one as well. Um, st- I'm also sticking in, in Florida actually, but I'm looking at that game in early November against, uh, against Florida um, I think that's a big one as well because obviously the expectations and the hope for A&M is to be at 10 wins by the end of the year, 10, 11 wins. The Florida game in early November kind of feels like a game you've, you've got to win if you want to get to that, that, that number. Um, and both A&M and, and Florida are going to be coming off of huge games. A&M Ole Miss back at home for the first time, as I mentioned in, in quite a while and Florida coming off a game against Georgia. Um, and so, you know, both both teams are are, are going to be kind of hitting that, looking to hit that late season stride. And then, uh, you know, I always kind of have a recruiting gear to all of this. That oh, yeah. you know, when you look at the Miami and Florida games, that's an area A and M has recruited very heavily the last couple of years. And so, those two games kind of stick out for me on just the recruiting implications that they'll have, especially with Florida looking to build momentum and Leighton Billy Napier's first year heading into the second year and. Um, if A&M is able to sell a win over Florida, that'll be, that'll be huge moving forward to be able to kind of work with that. And I think the same can go for Miami, but uh, no doubt the obvious game everybody would, would probably choose is Alabama. But um, I think the Miami and Florida games are, are going to be really pivotal as well. And that Arkansas one too. And then, you know, just final, I guess team one, we kind of got, and, you know, <laughs> you know, just a disclaimer, Brian and I are not really, like, you know, plugged into the, 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 you know, realignment dominoes. And oftentimes this stuff kind of happens very much behind the scenes. Somebody asked uh, next realignment domino to fall for me. It's, it's probably like the, the rest of the PAC 12 figuring out what, what they're going to do um, and figuring out, you know, do they want to go to the big 12 and, you know, with the big 12 pursuing them um, you know, I have a, I have a friend that covers Notre Dame as well. And, and Notre Dame's obviously trying to figure out where they fit into all of this, but, I think they've got some time to kind of see where all the dominoes kind of fall and, and go from there before their TV contract expires, I think in 2025. And so I don't necessarily think that Notre Dame would be the next domino. I think it would probably be Oregon, Washington, Utah, kind of that group of schools figuring out what they're going to do. Yeah. Considering that uh, A&M was caught off guard by the OU and Texas news. And then the PAC 12 commissioner was caught off guard by the USC and UCLA and UCLA news. It'd be hard for us to, you know, predict hey, exactly yeah. what's going to happen. But I do think eventually we're going to see, you know, 40, 48 teams just sort of split off and make their own, make their own championship uh, division. So, you know, who knew? I don't know the timeline on that. I mean, yeah. I can't guarantee it'll happen, but I think that's what we'll see is, so it'll basically be a power five, you know, we'll have a, we'll have their own national champion. And then I think group of five will have their own. So I think that's probably where we're headed. 
So everybody that's worried, like, oh, what is ACC going to do? Or is SEC going to yeah. go raid that? As I think eventually you're going to see those teams all basically together, almost in like an NFL kind of model. So, you know, who knows what the next exact move will be. But I think we're all – every move that's been made is sort of going, you know, towards that uh, towards that destination. Yeah. yeah, and we had that guy last week that um... – the, the guy that was like a swimming editor. Yeah, the swim blog, I think, was gonna break was gonna break some news. I almost wish that like would have happened just so like yeah. I no, thought like, it what? was a joke at first. And then yeah, I was like, wait, swim I don't swim monthly. I don't yeah. even remember what it was. Swim or, monthly or whatever it was. Yeah, it was like the like, executive editor of well he had the blue check mark and so I think nobody really checked, you know, what he did. But or, I think or, he was but I think he was serious. He wasn't like <laughs> he wasn't messing around, was he? Like I think he legitimately had heard that I, and was yeah, I think he probably did. I just kind of wanted to to jump in there with his yeah. his recruiting scoop and people, or with his realignment scoop, and people just totally ran with it. Yeah, I, I only I get my it. news from tennis blogs from now on. So yeah, yeah sorry. tennis. I get mine from golf. You know, golf yeah, blogs. That, and that's yeah, that's it. Too. Like the next time the golf, you know, give tell me when golf digest is is break is is breaking news on realignment, and then I'll I'll really start to pay attention. But yeah, he had he had everything going on 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 you know espn behind the scenes working to you know dissolve the the acc contract and oh he had he had all the details there and so he it's probably something he heard and and went from yeah it's like the it's like our favorite our favorite uh twitter account uh, the message board geniuses he's like a message board genius but on twitter you know it's like oh yeah (laughs) i talked to a guy you know everybody's got sources yeah you know, I talked to somebody who was definitely the no, and I, I love somebody on our uh, on the A and M board brought brought this up. If you have to bring up that you know somebody and is a hundred percent a source, then you probably don't know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you're probably not talking to anybody who's actually tied in. So, um, you know, the, the the realignment news is always always kind of fun to follow, and and yeah, it always seems to catch everybody off guard and. I'm sure you know everything's kind of heading. I'm with you. I think everything's kind of heading that direction of a, a big field. Um, after the break, we're going to take a quick break, and 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 after the break, we're going to touch on a little recruiting, maybe a bit of a therapy session right now. But <laughs> we we did get some good questions on on focusing on the A&M 2023 class and and where they kind of go from there, heading into the middle part of July. So. We'll be back right after a quick break to, to talk a little A&M recruiting and, and where they kind of go. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. Welcome back to the Gigam 24-7 Sports Podcast. I am Andrew Hattersley, joined by Brian Peroni. Um, Brian, going to talk a little recruiting. Um, and as soon as I dropped this note on the board about um, 
you know, that we were going to be taking questions for today. I kind of had a sense on which way this was going to go. Yeah. Um, yeah. The- There's a, a certain theme has emerged. I yeah. think, you know, just among A&M fans, it's, I've seen it even casual fans on, on regular social media, the same, same thing. I think, I, I think we're on the same wavelength. We're, we're, about s- to say. we're on the same wavelength and, and, you know, the questions didn't, didn't necessarily surprise me. And, um, there were some very similar questions. So for some, we just kind of pulled things together if things were along the, the same line. Um, but I think just starting with kind of the question that encapsulate, 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 encapsulates many of the there questions. There we go. There we go. Um, yeah. They don't use that but word in pronunci- South, South, in South Africa. Um, yeah, they don't use that in South yeah, it's Africa. New. It's, it's new to you. So I kind understand. Of, it's kind of like Louisville. It's kind of on that same Yeah, yeah, same yeah. I got sort of you. Line. I got you. Um, should should AM fans be concerned with the way things are going in the in the 2022 class right now? Okay, it's obviously not ideal. Now, you yeah. know, I think that we've you know, we keep pointing to last year and saying, Hey, it's a little okay. Last year was not a, not as slow, different reasons why you know the Houston contingent was a big reason why you know they had a bunch of commits from because Houston was absolutely loaded and. You know, a lot of AM's class came from that. That's not the case this year. But yeah, I would say it's a concern, especially, you know, these announcements. You know, you've got Caleb Jackson this week. It looks like he's going to LSU. Ruben Owens, AM is still in that, but, you know, him going to Louisville, uh, John T. Cook picking Texas. I mean, uh, yeah, it's none of them have really come, you know, Sean Davy and Bradley, none of them really come out of the blue, but it is a lot of dominoes coming off the board that are choosing other schools. Uh, besides besides AM, whereas AM got Damon Sanford, but that's been it since uh April, I think, was the you know, the the three before that. So uh yeah, not ideal. Um not reason to panic just yet. Uh you know, we've pointed out a lot, Jimbo Fisher has always been a closer ever since, you know, his Florida State days. Uh even some of these guys AM is out on right now, you know, AM was dead out of the race for Evan Stewart last year. Not in it. They signed Evan Stewart, you know, uh, as just one example. Uh, you know, Walter Nolan wasn't even on the radar until the pool party he had never been to AM. Then all of a sudden became AM's most frequent visitor, was there every weekend. So uh, you know, I think you will see AM start to get the momentum with a few guys, and we'll talk in a minute about guys they do have uh momentum with. But yeah, it's not ideal. And uh I think AM needs to to figure out, you know, hey, what are these other schools using against us? You know, how can we, uh, how can we counter that? Because, yeah, I do think a And M is going to close with the top ten class, but, but I also understand fans' frustrations right now, and 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 say yeah, it's not ideal. Yeah, for me, I, I'm kind of along the same lines as you. I think it was a good point on the board. You know, is 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 the end of August kind of a time to you know if 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 things haven't kind of improved by the end of August, I think then you can start to get a little more concerned. But um, you know, there's there's still a long way to go until December. But I think it's there's certainly reason to be a little bit frustrated right now, especially with the way things have gone the past couple of weeks. And I'm sure there's some frustration inside of the AM building with with some top targets going elsewhere and 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 that. But um, you know, I think A and M is still kind of in the mix for for quite a few guys, and is gonna, you know, they've they've shown they've shown a history of of closing well, especially during the during the fall. And to your point, you another name, you know, to keep in mind is Denver Harris. At this point last year, A and M kind of looked like they were maybe 
on the outside looking in with Denver Harris. And then, you know, the fall kind of came and, and they kind of closed in strong for him. And so um, I, I, I can certainly understand a little bit of the concern, um, especially with, you know, the buzz that, that other schools are kind of generating right now. LSU's generated a little bit of momentum on the recruiting trail. Texas has generated a little bit of buzz on the recruiting trail as well. And I, th- I think that's the other thing, you know, whenever people talk about the 2022 class and, and kind of how it all came together at this time last year, LSU was really struggling. Um, Texas was, was struggling as well. Um, and some of the South Florida schools weren't recruiting, you know, with, with Mario Cristobal at Miami now and, and Billy Napier at Florida, um, A&M kind of capitalized on a down year for a lot of programs and, and was able to build some momentum during the summer. Um, things are, are not going their way right now, but, um, you know, I, I feel pretty confident saying they're going to find a way to adjust and, and, and be able to put together a top 10 class, which, um, would kind of stick with where, where they've been under Jimbo Fisher, the, the last couple of years since he arrived in college station. And so, um, you know, I think there's, there's reason to be a little bit concerned, but, but also, um, I think it'd be wise to, to kind of exercise a little bit of patience. And I think the next question kind of goes in line with this. When a lot of people have looked at A&M recruiting, a lot of people have pointed to the the barbecue and the pool party at the end of the month. And if, if that could, could be kind of the, the thing that, that, uh, that turns things in A&M's favor. And, and one question we got was, are we overhyping the impact of the pool party? I feel like the entire ag message board fan base expects this to be a big turning point in our recruiting. Where do you kind of stand on that, Brian? And, and, and that pool party coming up at the end of the month. So, okay. I'm trying to think of last year. I know Bryce Anderson was a, you know, committed not long after that, you know, he, so, you know, that was a big turning point with him. And obviously, you know, that was the first time you got Walter Nolan in town. Uh, Jacoby Matthews made the trip there instead of uh, to LSU. But I don't believe, I, I'm, I don't think this is revisionist history. I don't believe that it was a huge, like, windfall of commitments coming out of that mm-hmm. weekend. So I would caution that, that, hey, if it is a turning point, it may not all of a sudden, you know, and it may not double the size of its commitment list. But uh, the pool party last year definitely gave AM momentum with a ton of a ton of players. So I, I fans probably are overhyping it a little bit, like oh, just get them in town for the pool party and they're going to commit or they're going to be you know leave as AM as the leader. But it is you know it does give it's a smaller intimate event. Uh, you know it's a time where they can really see the coaches and and hang out with each other. I think that's another big thing is you know, you get these guys in a room and and they talk about playing with each other. Like, oh, you, you know, it'd be cool if we end up here kind of deal. So I, it, it is a big, it, it, it should be a big, you know, momentum builder for A&M. But once again, I would caution that just like last year, the success isn't, hey, if all these kids, you know, jump on board right afterwards, because, you know, it's, it's just building for that class in, in uh, December or, or even January. I think the telltale of that that weekend being successful um, is a lot of guys came out of that weekend. Walter Nolan was one. Shamar Stewart was another. Um, I believe Jacoby Matthews was another as well. Talked about return visits and okay, you know, yeah. coming off this pool party, this was a blast. I want to come back and see more. And I think that's when you look at momentum or being able to kind of, you know, if I think fans are looking for a turning point. I would I would caution the same thing. I don't think 
you're going to all of a sudden see three, four, five commitments come out of that that weekend. Uh, but I do think it'll be a positive sign if guys are saying, I want to come back again. Like I want to come back. If, if they, if, if, if Zachariah branch, for example, comes in and says, you know, I want to come back again for a game in the fall, that would be a positive. And, and that would be, you know, trip number four for him. And um, you know, if they, if they can get guys kind of, you know, like you said, talking about, you know, playing together or what that A&M class could be. Cause I think one of the things that was talked about last year was let's let's do something that hasn't been done yet at A&M. And, and that was kind of the message that we heard from a lot of the the guys. And so um, I think that would kind of signify being a successful weekend. I I'm, I'm with you, but I, I think it is. No, make, make no mistake. It's it's a big weekend and it's going to be really important for A&M. It's the last weekend of the summer before you kind of get into the fall and start hosting guys for games and things like that. And so it's a big weekend, but I wouldn't expect like a windfall of, of, of commitments after it. Um, and, you know, kind of sticking with, with Zachariah branch. Um, it was a question, how serious is a, is a branch flip from USC? So uh, I think I may combine this with another question is wide receivers are going to be looking at A&M's offense a lot. I mean, yeah, I mean, John Tay Cook's off the board now. I mean, he may still have his eye open, but, you know, he mentioned, hey, I'm going to be watching Evan Stewart. And I think a lot of people will, especially when you have Evan Stewart, you know, Chris Marshall and, uh, you know, Noah Thomas. You got some some really good freshman receivers. So a lot of people are going to be watching that. And I think that Zachariah Branches, I would think he would be a bigger flip candidate if it wasn't for the fact that his brother just signed with USC. Now I know the transfer portal, who knows how long people are at, at every school and, you know, you're not going to make a decision just because your brother, but the, uh, you know, to think that parents don't want, you know, their kids playing together and, you know, they played together their whole lives. So if Zion hadn't just signed with USC, I'd say there was a lot more uh, chance, but that just shows that how serious he is about A&M. The fact that, there's even a possibility when he has no reason to go anywhere other than USC. I mean, Lincoln Riley's going to throw the ball around. He's proven that. So the fact he's still looking at AM shows, okay, you know, AM has, has definitely shown him something that that he's really interested in. And so I'd say it's still a bit of an uphill battle, but I'm not I'm not writing it off. Yeah, and I think just looking at, you know, the travel component being just outside Las Vegas and being able to, you know, it's obviously a shorter trip to be able to get to USC from from there and but how far being, how far is Rutgers? You know, we forgot about them being in the Big Ten. Yeah, now, true, you know? true, very true. And that's long flights. So. You know, let's get out the map of the GPS. They they can yeah. start driving on the Monday and get there by the Saturday. Yeah. That's yeah. that's pretty much the way it's it's going to go. Um, you know, that was the first thing I kind of noted too. With his brother being at at USC, that does make things a little more difficult. Um, I do think it's notable to your point though that. A&M was able to get him on campus for their for his official visit the weekend after he went to USC for an official visit, um, and this will now be his his third trip to A&M. So it tells you that there's some some genuine interest there, and 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 that's kind of where I was going to. If they're able to get him coming out of the pool party saying, "Yeah, I'm going to come back for a game in the fall, and I want to see this team more," I think that would be kind of the encouraging next step. And um, I kind of put him in the same vein as as Peyton Bowen. Um, you know that AM just wants to keep chipping away. Do does AM feel like it's ready to probably flip either of those guys right now? Probably not. Both the guys have have maintained their solid Peyton Bowen to Notre Dame and 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 Zachariah Branch to USC. But AM just wants to keep chipping away, keep getting them on campus, 
and you know hope that they can kind of close close strong in the fall with maybe an in-home visit or or getting him back after the season or something along those lines so i think that's that's really where a&m is right now it's it's a good sign to be in the running and continue getting him back to campus and and i think a&m just kind of wants to keep chipping away and to the wide receiver point, I, I do think a lot of guys have kind of mentioned, you know, I want to see what AM looks like this year. And and AM has really sold the presence of Evan Stewart and what they're gonna what they believe that the passing game will be with Evan Stewart in the fold. And and so I think if they are able to get him the ball, that'll be a tremendous selling point to receivers to be able to not put it to bed all the questions about receiver play and all that. But I think it it really takes one guy for you to be able to sell for that narrative to start to shift a little bit. AM just hasn't been able to do that yet. And so um I do think a lot of guys are going to be watching how receivers are used and 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 especially if a guy can come in as a freshman and and make an early impact. That's certainly something AM could could kind of build off of. Sticking with another guy who is um expected to be at the pool party for his official visit um is Anthony Hill. Um AM has for, for, for the question was thoughts on Anthony Hill recruitment. Uh, you know, for me, and A&M has been at the, at the, at the top or near the top of his list for quite a while now. And he really likes A&M a lot. And, um, you know, he's down to Texas and Texas A&M and, you know, Texas has generated some buzz and had a, had a really strong official visit um, late in June, but this is A&M's chance to kind of counter that. And, and I, I think I, I certainly expect A&M to put a strong weekend together for the pool party, especially since we like we talked about that's a really intimate weekend that, you know, you'll get a lot of time with the coaches um, to talk with Jimbo Fisher, maybe see a different side of Jimbo Fisher. That was another piece of feedback we heard uh, last summer. And, and this really is an important recruitment. This is kind of the, the line in the sand type of recruitment that A&M really needs to win. He's a, he's a huge need and would, and would be a guy that a lot of guys in state would, would take notice of as well. Yeah, I think Anthony Hill's been a bit of an A&M lean uh, in the past. Texas has made up a, a ton of ground. But I, I think you use the, the right line, the line in the sand. And, you know, Jimbo Fisher, you know, I think may take this one personally and, you know, want in and sort of go all out to land Anthony Hill. I think you see him, you know, start to take over this recruitment. So uh, let's see what he says coming out of that weekend because – uh, yeah, if he, he's narrowed things down to just that in-state battle. So, and I mean, it's a five-star number two recruit in the state, I think, overall. The nation's top linebacker. I mean, huge need for AM, but also huge need as far as just uh, momentum and, and perception. So, yeah, uh, we'll see what happens coming out of that weekend. I still, you know, like where AM stands, but it's, you know, it's a lot closer to 50-50 with Texas than it has been. So, yeah. Yeah, Jimbo. Let's you know this. This might test Jimbo's chops some. Like, you know, he's he's known as a recruiter, so we'll see. And I think, like like we said, he's going to take that one that one really personally. Yeah, and you know, looking at late June, kind of before he went to that that Texas official visit, I had a lot of lot of strong feedback about where A and M stood for that, and so you know, stood in that recruitment, and you know, there was some we kind of thought. Darian Gallette probably leans a little bit towards Texas and Anthony Hill probably leans a little bit towards A&M. And, and so, you know, if A&M is able to kind of recapture that, that momentum, get him back on campus, it's, you know, it's, it's been a little bit since he's been on campus. And so that'll, that'll be a big weekend, but I, 
I'm I'm right there with you. I think Jimbo Fisher is going to take this one really, really personally, um, and kind of lock in like like he did kind of like last year when he kind of locked in on Bryce Anderson as a head-to-head battle between yeah. AM and Texas, and and really tried to close that one out. I think this could have a similar sort of feel to it. Um, you know, looking one of the questions is, and I know people kind of want to see guys start to join this class. Um, got the question. What is a realistic expectation in terms of number of recruits for this class before the season starts? Um, what do you, how many do you think is kind of a realistic number? Okay. So there's five right now. And that's the reason, you know, people talk about A&M's rank. Now there are five good ones and one of them's a punter. So he's not going to be ranked incredibly high, but there's five commits. That's a low number, but that, like I said, that's the reason why A&M's down in the fifties and A&M's not going to finish in the fifties. Um, most of their targets are really, once again, I mean, it seems like a broken record, but it's what we say every year. Most of their targets are waiting until close to signing day. So I really don't know, like, the exact, uh, you know, the exact number. But I would say, you know, let's say there's July, August, probably, you know, three or four more guys before the season, I'd say. And then maybe some at early in the season. Uh, I'm going to combine this question, I guess, with somebody else who were, you know, the next three commits. Um, and you and I may have some of the same answers. Okay, here's the deal. Austin Novosad does not know what he's going to do yet. Uh, he's given A&M every, uh, every chance, though, you know, to sort of make up some ground. He's from an Aggie family. Um, I can't say for sure, but, you know, if I was to lean one way or another, I'd say he probably ends up in the class. So I'd have him as one of the next three commits. TJ Shanahan, uh, offensive lineman from Austin Westlake. I know you and I both put in uh, crystal ball predictions. I think Wilt Fong followed suit um i know some people did i think will fong had followed suit and then the third one i'm just gonna go with a guy that nobody ever talks about because he's so quiet dalton brooks dalton brooks his cousin yeah. is uh is at texas running back jonathan brooks from hallettsville but uh he really likes a&m a&m's recruiting him as a safety i think they love him. And I think, uh, you know, he made a sort of unofficial sort of under the radar trip, not under the radar where we didn't know about it, but under the radar because he doesn't do many interviews, if any. Yeah. So it just, there wasn't a lot of buzz coming out of it. So I would say those three would probably be, you know, would, would be my guesses for the next three. And, and they all could be in the fold, you know, potentially before the season starts. Yeah. I kind of had the number as three as well. And, um, kind of echoing a lot of what you said is a lot of the guys that they're still after are not going to, if, if they're, if they've waited until this point, they're probably going to wait until the fall to really get to see teams in action and, and wait closer to signing day. But I think three is probably a realistic number. The other guy I would not lose count of is, uh, is Caden Jones. Um, he confirmed he's coming in for the, uh, the pool party as well at the end of the month. And that'll be his second trip to Texas A&M this summer. Uh, big, a long athletic guy that A&M offered in the spring. Um, I think would be a really good add along the the offensive line. Um, had a really good camp when he was when he was at A&M, and so um, you know would be a would be a solid develop developmental guy to bring in. Um, yeah, I really like with a where A&M stands with T.J. Shanahan. Um, I know some some other schools are going to try to get into the mix there, but I've I've heard A&M sits in a strong spot for him. And and you're right, Austin Novosad. Um, feels like he really wants to get it out the way at, at, at some point and make a decision and, uh, and kind of put this behind him. And so 
Um, you know, he'd be one and, and Dalton Brooks is an interesting one because you're right. He, he really, he really doesn't talk. And I know we had a question on the board last week. Why does it seem like we never really hear much from, from, from Dalton Brooks? It's because him and yeah. him and Dave, they don't really do interviews. And so, you know, with the, with those types of guys, he's a guy I've kind of circled early in the year when the season gets underway next month to, to kind of make a trip out there and go see him and, and, and get the latest on, on kind of where A&M stands. But you know, just talking to people behind the scenes and, and talking to sources, you know, A&M sits in a good spot for him right now. And, and, and they absolutely love him. You're right. It's, we, we've, we've kind of joked. It's kind of a fight over which side of the ball was going to get him. They love yeah. him at running back. They love him at safety. And um, so Tommy yeah, Robinson, I think it, it was, it was, we watched Tommy. Sorry, I interrupt you. We watched Tommy Robinson work with them last summer. Tommy yeah. Robinson, I'm sure would love to have him. If he ends up at AM, Tommy Robinson is not getting Dalton Brooks. Yep, like, yep exactly. Like, sorry, he's too good. At, he's too good at safety. Sorry, yeah. sorry, Tommy Robinson. But yeah, he's you can keep <laughs> you can keep recruiting him. He's not going to end up in your uh, in your meeting room. It's just not going to happen. Yep, he's, he's he's not. And he, yeah, he's a he's, safety. AM needs safeties. He's a safety. There you go. It's a good fit. And and Wood, I know there's you know this wasn't really a question, but you know everybody's kind of talked about. You know the secondary and Malik Muhammad and and Dal- and you know Javin Taviano and you know if A and M has kind of a starter piece of of Bravian Rogers, Javon Thomas, and Dalton Brooks, that's a really strong secondary to kind of start out with. I know there's you know there's concern about you know you know where does Malik Muhammad end up? And Texas has certainly made up a lot of ground for him as well lately. If A and M is able to land Dalton Brooks, that's a really, really strong start to that secondary, and I think something A and M would feel really good about. And um, and so we'll see, we'll see where things kind of go there. Um, you mentioned Austin Novaset, and um, another question we got: Do we really need a quarterback in Fisher's eyes? What's the plan for a QB in this class if we don't get Novaset? The answer to that is is yes. A and M is ideally going to take at least a quarterback. A year, even if it's a developmental guy, you know, we kind of mentioned Kate Tessier. If they do, if they miss on Novaset, and you know, there was another question: Well, what's the backup plan if Novaset were to go elsewhere? They could look at a guy like Kate Tessier and just want a development for a year. But they're at least going to bring in an arm to to build depth in that room and and uh, make sure the numbers, especially in the era of the transfer portal, where guys could look to transfer elsewhere and. And, you know, you need, you need to kind of have the numbers stocked in that room. And so, um, and so I, I, I think you, you will see A&M take a quarterback every single year under, under Fisher. Yeah. I mean, it's A&M fans now. It's funny that people ask this because even if let's say you're just a fan that's come to A&M and you know, the last however many years, you know, you haven't been a, a lifelong fan. You've now seen twice where they've almost been, you know, like, absolutely you know screwed by lack of depth because last year AM might have had to start a walk oh not just a walk on a true freshman walk on in the bowl game and then let's go back a few years to when Kyler Murray and Kyle Allen in the same week both decided to transfer I mean you can't you can't not take a quarterback every year it just you need them for depth if nothing else but you also just never know what's going to happen especially in, in sort of the wild west of transferring these days so a will take a quarterback 
who it'll be if if Nova said, let's say Nova said decides to stay put at Baylor. I mean, I I would expect them to go back in on Ricky Collins a little bit. Uh, you know, out of Baton Rouge, he's committed to Purdue, but a lot of schools trying to flip him. LSU's trying to get involved there. Florida State. Um, you know, you could you got you know Brock Glenn who's out there uncommitted. There's you know you just see them you know go after. I would I would see them probably going after smaller power five or even group of five commits, you know, rather than probably a completely under the radar guy. So that, that would be, that would be my guess. And who would be, I mean, who knows, you know, I think not, not sure A&M knows, but you know, they did it. They did like Ricky Collins enough to offer at one point he was at camp last summer. So he's just one that, you know, if I think immediately jumps to mind, but, but there are several guys like him out there. Yeah. I think to your point, there's still some good options out there. You could really turn to and, you know, even a guy like I don't, and I, I don't know if they would end up pushing for him, but just talking to some people in this, in the state, um, Jake Strong's another guy I'm a big fan of, and he came to a camp last summer, committed to Texas Tech right now, um, and has been for a while. Um, but you know, Jimbo Fisher had a lot of praise for him about his ball placement and accuracy and and things like that, and and talking to some people, you know who were who who kind of put him and and said you know I think he he could be a guy not not in the you know the Austin Novosad category but right behind him and kind of that next that next layer and and there's a lot of people that are are big fans of of what he can do leadership wise and and all that and so um that's a guy that I don't know if they would target him but um I think he'd be a strong developmental guy and and he's obviously got some good relationships with Tech being committed there now for quite a while but um could be an intriguing in-state guy to look at they could you know i don't know if they circle back on on marcel reed and see if there's any interest there he's committed Ole miss right now ricky collins is obviously another one as well um but i think there's there's still some names but right now i think the focus is probably on trying to get novasad and 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 really staying in contact with him and um pivot if if you if you kind of need to uh in and another one just Sticking on, on, on kind of projecting ahead to the end of this year, um, realistic options to land on the offensive line and defensive line. I think we've kind of touched on a couple of them, but you know, TJ Shanahan, Caden Jones, Chase Besantis, kind of are the names that stick out on the on the uh, on the offensive line. And you know, Xavier McLeod's a guy that they brought in um, this summer for for a visit. Um, Jaquavius Russell is a guy that's made a couple of visits that's obviously going to be tough to get him out of out of Alabama but um has shown interest in A&M and and A&M's going to continue to 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 push for him and Braylon Shelby's expected to be at the pool party later this month this kind of ties in with the other question about um you know where does A&M kind of look after um Davy and Bradley committing to Tennessee over the weekend um those are just a couple of names that kind of stick out stick out for me on on where they could look yeah, and then yeah, if we're talking about edge, yeah, Braylon Shelby's the guy. Um, but I mean, we've you know I've talked about it on the board. LT Overton is a guy that's playing edge at A and M. Then you got Eni White from last year. Now that it's not a typical guy like uh, you know Donnell Harris or uh, Zion Harris. You know, it's not a guy that's you know just incredibly cat quick, but it's somebody that's really good. You know, sort of like Tyree Johnson. So uh, you know, does A and M need you know, they, they would prefer a guy that's a pure edge, but I don't think they necessarily need it. But yeah, Braylon Shelby would be, you know, the one 
the one to watch there, you know, see what happens with him, you know, if he shows up at the pool party. Because I think he really likes Texas. So if he shows up at the pool party, I mean, it's a chance for A&M to, to cut away or chip away at that. Yeah. Uh, talking about defensive line in general, I mean, David Hicks, he's still got out yep, there. David you know, Hicks. he's still he's still quite high. It'll be interesting. I mean, maybe A&M tries to get back in on Jordan Renaud out of title legacy. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I could see them doing that because they, you know, they really liked him at one point. You know, Johnny Bowens, do they still recruit him? I think they at least, you know, kick the tires there and see what happens. So, um, yeah, and and you mentioned a whole bunch of other guys So uh, on offensive and defensive line. So I think both of them – now what happens if some of the guys we mentioned start to go off the board, then you can, you know, start to worry. But right now there are still quite a few targets that uh, that A&M likes at at, at both places and that A&M is in good shape with. No question. And you know, another name of, of a guy we haven't heard as much about of late, but Will Norman is a guy that AM has expressed interest in in the past. They could always cir- kind of circle back with him and, and start to push for him as well. And so, and you know, to, I think AM fans need to keep in mind as well that they signed, just loaded up on defensive line guys last year. And so I'm not sure defensive lines necessarily, obviously, AM is going to sign a couple every single year just because that's, 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 kind of a big focal point for Jimbo Fisher, but um, you know, AM is gonna really is is gonna be in really good shape there with with what they signed in the 2022 class. And so they only need a couple of guys in in, in this class to to really feel good about um kind of where where they stand. Um and you know just just um looking through the rest of the question well there was one on will they be be a surprise recruit that we get that, that we do not expect to get like last year. I mean, there's, there's some guys of, you know, under the radar, Eli Ricks was a guy that, you know, included A&M in his top 10 and, and Alabama certainly generated a lot of buzz for him. There's not been a lot of talk about him. Could, could A&M potentially get him on campus during the fall and, and start to make, make a little bit of a move for him. Potentially he hasn't, he hasn't been to campus yet. And so that's kind of a name for me that sticks out if there were to be a surprise surprise recruit but um other than that i think i think you know for the most part there isn't necessarily a name that's that's looming there yeah i mean well surprise come on people you got to remember the definition of surprise how are we supposed to predict i mean probably yeah there will be there will be people in the class that we're not talking about right now will someone be highly rated yeah um so so yeah there will be but i i mean who knows who knows who it'll be i mean it'll be interesting to see if you know, like I said, a five-star, just randomly number two player in the country that just shows up. Uh, who is the number two player? Who's after Arch Manning? Let's see, maybe they could get the number <laughs> the number two player again. So, um, so, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, then it wouldn't then it wouldn't be a surprise. So, yeah, let's I see. think we do a pretty good job. People keep keeping people up to date on 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 who A and M's in on. And, the number two player, uh, Malachi Nelson, the QB. Quarterback, quarterback out of that could uh, be the next domino. Okay, USC. So yeah, you heard go. it here. You heard it here first. Malachi Nelson. No, please don't go and spread rumors. <laughs> yeah, Malachi right. Nelson is going to him. Um, but no, yeah, I think yeah, you will you will see guys that that you know they're working behind the scenes on that you know they've done yeah. you know sort of almost like Zechariah Branch that sort of came out of nowhere that he was gonna yeah you know that he was gonna take that visit. So there's gonna be others like that for sure. No doubt. And, you know, like, like you said, it'll be a surprise. So we'll see, you know, it'll, it'll be one of those things if, if guys end up showing up at the pool party and, and all that. Um, but, you know, we, I think we've, we've pretty much covered 
covered uh, covered a lot of ground on on the recruiting. Hopefully, hopefully this has kind of been informative for everybody. And uh, you know, I I would I would just say patience still. Um, let's see how things stand at, at the end of the summer, and and we'll kind of go with there. And thanks to everybody who who submitted a question. We got a ton of them. To we could have gone probably for another hour on on um, to finish out the questions, and and we'll certainly mix in some of these maybe next week when we on our next podcast and and do another mailbag section during the during the second half of the podcast. One note on um, on the basketball front, I did check somebody asked on what the scholarship situation is for A&M. Talked to a source on that last night. Told me A&M's roster is complete and set for the upcoming season. And so, uh, you know, I've kind of mentioned on the board that I don't, you know, they haven't released the roster yet, but, um, you know, A&M at this point feels like their roster is is set and good to go. Um, and so, um you know, I'll have something coming in the, in the next couple of days on on just where A and M stands there. But um, you know, no need to to clear out. They they're not three spots over at this point. I was told they are set to go on that front. So with that, we're going to go ahead and sign off. Uh, ran close to an hour today. Um, thanks to everybody again for joining. Um, if you like the podcast, be sure to hit subscribe on YouTube and follow us on Apple on iTunes and Spotify. Uh, make sure to give us a five star review there as well and and follow that to um, to get the to get the latest on every time a new podcast drops, um, and you know we'll look ahead next week. We'll we'll be looking ahead to SEC Media Days at that point. SEC Media Days are right around the corner, um, and we'll we'll touch on a few more questions that we that we didn't get to this afternoon. And so um, with that, uh, thanks again to everybody for for their questions and and listening. And we'll be back next week. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount+.